0: there's employment and there's self-employment. If you're hiring someone for W-2, that's employment. If you're hiring an independent contractor, 1099, that's not the same as employment. I know it's like potato, potato, but try to put those differences out in your brain. Put a divider between that. Hi, I'm Dr. Kate Walker. I'm a marriage and family therapist, practice owner, and professor of counselor education who took a passion for training the next generation of mental health providers and turned it into a multi-six-figure business that designs the courses that teach mental health providers how to be clinical supervisors. Teaching graduate students and seasoned counselors, I learned about the fears. Fears about failing, quitting toxic work environments where you're seeing 80 clients a week, fears about starting a private practice, running out of money, getting in trouble by the licensing board, the IRS, you name it. I created the Texas Counselors Creating Badass Businesses community so mental health providers like you could have a step-by-step guide and learn actionable steps to achieve the security, freedom, and satisfaction of a counseling career you'll love. Look, you had the dream to become a mental health professional. You got the degree, you took the exams, you put in the time, whatever your business is. A private practice, maybe you want to sell courses like I do you're adding clinical supervision, you want to write a book or get paid to speak, whatever it is, you are too important to your community to lose to getting in trouble, giving up, going broke, and burning out. Are you ready to break through those fears once and for all? I thought so. Let's get to work. Welcome to Texas Counselors Creating Badass Businesses, where it's all about working smarter, not harder. And here's your host, Dr. Kate Walker, who refused to join the PTA. For therapists who own their own private practice and who are hiring and trying to decide, okay, am I going to hire this person as a 1099 contractor, or am I going to hire them as a W-2 it can seem complicated and you're going to get a lot of conflicting information if you ask other employers. And so if you haven't taken the time to ask an attorney or a tax professional, my goal for this episode is to cut through all of the noise and really give you some answers because I'm literally reading from the IRS website. So if you're listening to this and you're hoping to get some clarity, I know this is going to be the fix you need to move your practice forward if you're ready to start hiring. And don't forget, if you're a Step It Up member, all of these podcast episodes come with video, so check it out there as well. All right, let's get to work. All right, I'm Dr. Kate Walker. Welcome to your training today. If you're a Step It Up member, this is part of your membership. You get a weekly training, and that training means you get to interact, you get to participate via Zoom. If you're a Facebooker, of course, you can get on Facebook and just watch and type in questions. I'll be watching that too. If you're listening to this on a replay, or if you're watching this on a replay, good on you because you're spending extra time to get down to the bottom of all of the things you need to as a business owner. So, W2 versus 1099. This actually came to the forefront, I don't know, I guess in my world, maybe about four or five years ago. And we knew that Associates in Texas were going to be owning their own practices soon, right? We saw that kind of on the horizon, we being LPC supervisors. I'm also an LMFT supervisor. So, we'd already been dealing with that for a few years. And then I remember I was at the TACES conference in Dallas. And someone sat down and she said, you know, I've got to tell you, I've been audited. And I was floored because we had talked about this idea of, can you hire your associates as a 1099? What does it mean to hire someone as a 1099? What are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? And this person said, no, actually, TWC came in and audited me, Texas Workforce Commission, and they determined that I had misclassified the people working for me. And so I had to pay penalties. And then it was like the floodgates open. It's a small world, right? But still, there were more people coming forward and talking to me saying, oh my gosh, we've misclassified. I'm misclassified. I've been misclassified. And so I see the question again and again. And I know after this that I'm going to see the question again, you know, in the Facebook threads, people coming up at conferences. And that's great. I want you to come up to me at conferences. If you're listening to this on the podcast, don't worry, I'm going to talk you through everything that I'm showing the folks who are watching this live and who are watching it on the replay. So what I'm going to do first is take you on a real simple Google journey, because when you don't know something, you Google it, or at least that's what I do. So I'm going to Google IRS, Internal Revenue Service, and I have already Googled the 20 factor test, but I'm going to talk about that in a second, 1099 or W2, and let's just see what comes up. Well, the IRS website comes up first. That's good. There are other good websites out there. Folks write blogs, tax professionals, attorneys. They'll write some really good blogs and they tend to break things down and make it a little simpler than the government. But we're going to go ahead and click the IRS tab here. So it's funny because they phrase it as a question, independent contractor, parentheses, self-employed or employee, and they take you through the scenario. They ask which scenario applies to you and then determining whether the individuals providing services are employees or independent contractors, common law rules, and I'll come back to that in a second. Form SS8, which is if you feel like you have been audited incorrectly and you have chosen the wrong thing, this is your recourse. And then of course the consequences for different businesses. So let's start with this idea of, do you get to choose? And you don't, right? I mean, that's like saying I live in Houston and I get to choose if I have hurricanes or not. No, that's determined for me. So when you think about this idea of do you get to choose No, you don't get to choose out of convenience, right? There are several things that we get to choose as business owners when we're getting our business started. And we'll talk about that more in June when we talk about, okay, what's the best entity that you want to organize your business as? LLC, PLLC, S Corp pass-through S Corp or sole proprietor, in other words, nonprofit 501c3. There's a Texas nonprofit. You don't have to do any of that. Just set up a DBA. You get a lot of choice there and you're weighing lots of options. There are tax benefits to this. There are liability protections. You want to sit down with somebody who knows what they're talking about as you're making those choices. 1099 and W-2. It's not your choice. If I hire a band to come play at my daughter's wedding next year, I'm not going to sit with the band members and tell them which notes to play, right? I might say, hey, I want you to play Lionel Richie still. Yeah, that's an 80s throwback, but I'm not going to tell them what key to put it in or what notes to play, right? I can't control and direct them because I hired them for their expertise, Now, if I hire someone to come in and organize my guest book for the wedding, right? I don't know why I would hire them, but anyway, let's just say that I did. Now I'm gonna be like, okay, as people come in, I need you to hand them a pen and not the red pen. I want you to hand them the blue pen. Make sure they don't write in cursive because we need to write thank you notes later. I'm gonna be super controlling. And that's a different classification because I've hired someone to do a job my way, not take requests like, hey, could you use the red pen? No, I'm going to tell them, use the red pen. So the IRS talks about three behaviors or three overarching factors. So let's go back to the screen, share and talk about that. Common law rules, facts that provide evidence of the degree of control and independence fall into three categories. Behavioral, does the company control or have the right to control what the worker does? And this is key. How the worker does his or her job. So yes, you may tell the band, I need you to start at seven and I want you to play till 11. I want you to play all Lionel Richie's greatest hits. And by the way, I want to grab the karaoke mic halfway through, and whatever. But I cannot tell the band how to do their job. I mean, this isn't my choice. I could try, but the band would be like, no, no, no. Thank you. We've got another gig. Financial, are the business aspects of the worker's job controlled by the payer? These include things like how the worker is paid, whether expenses are reimbursed, who provides the tools, the supplies. So when you think about that in terms of like if you hire, again, you can think of my band or you can think of like hiring an electrician to come to your house or somebody who's doing landscaping around your home. Type of relationship. Are there written contracts or employee type benefits, pensions, insurance, vacation pay, et cetera? Will the relationship continue and is the work performed a key aspect of the business? So in other words, let's go back to the person I'm controlling, but I'm going to switch on you. I'm going to say, I've hired someone to answer the phones at my private practice. So will the relationship continue? And is the work performed a key aspect of the business? Yes. I need someone to answer the phones. Do I need a band at my daughter's wedding? Not really. I mean, we'll hire a DJ, right? So those are the things written. And remember the title of this presentation is 1099 versus W2. What is the law? You know, I'm not a tax professional. I'm not an attorney. I literally wanted to show you where to find the words, how to read the words. And as you can see, it still leaves a lot of room for interpretation. So if you're feeling confused, let's validate that. That's okay. (laughs) Most of us business owners aren't tax professionals either. I don't know. Maybe you are. Maybe you are one of those folks who is a tax genius and go you because I'd love to hire you. So you'll hear some clarifying documents. So Let's talk about that because we've already determined you don't get to choose out of convenience. And it's not necessarily what's best for you because when you hire someone as a W-2, you are having to pay lots of stuff, right? So you're pulling money out of their check in order to pay these taxes, that taxes, this benefit, that benefit. So it is more expensive. And the person who is working for you makes, and I'm making air quotes here for those of you who can't see me, less money, right? Because one of the things about 1099 folk, they have to file their own tax. This is the part that gets really complicated for young people when they're first hired as a 1099 contractor. They forget to put aside 15-20% of every dime they make because they will owe that at the end of the year. Nobody's in there magically tapping them on the paycheck and pulling out the money so that at the end of the year, they can say, oh, I get a refund. No, 1099 employees, they've got to go pay their own taxes. It's not necessarily out of convenience, never out of convenience. You don't get to choose. And it's not necessarily what's best for you or even what's best for the person you're hiring. They may say, please hire me as a 1099. And you're like, but you don't meet the criteria. I don't want to get in trouble. So no. Or you may say, when you are a 1099, and your employee may say, Hmm, no, I'm not. I'm doing the work of W 2. They'll go find this website and they will see their recourse and what things they can do because they are owed a different classification. So sometimes you'll hear about something called a 20 factor test and IRS 20 factor test. Now I'm not reading off the IRS website anymore. This 20 factor test is an aid. It's one of those things that will clear up that muddy water from those three overarching factors I mentioned earlier, right? Those three overarching factors were behavioral, financial, and the type of relationship as how you categorize this person that you're hiring or you want to hire. So the 20 factor test is a great way to really drill down and see, okay, am I hiring correctly? So On the screen is a PDF. You know how to do this, guys. You put in IRS 20-factor test PDF, and Google will magically serve it up to you on a silver platter. IRS 20-factor test, independent contractor or employee. Membership, sh-membership. Why would anyone want to join a membership? because you're sick and tired of trying to find great information that will help you start your career, grow a practice, stay out of trouble, and oh, by the way, not be boring and outdated. You already know I specialize in helping you grow your skill set and career with quality courses on demand that people actually want to finish. But why should you have to pay for every single resource I offer? Let me introduce the Step It Up membership. Step It Up members have access to over 50 trainings on everything from preparing your accounts for tax season to using SEO to improve your Google rankings, writing a book, staying HIPAA compliant, to learning how to create a press kit if you want to start public speaking. You also get access to over 25 courses that you can use as continuing education and that meet the new Texas 50% from an approved provider rule. Are you a supervisor looking for a consultation group? Step It Up members get free tickets to the Texas Supervisor Coalition monthly live consultation group featuring great speakers and incredible up to the minute information to keep your license safe. Feel overwhelmed by lots of choices and want an interactive training with a real live person? I've got you covered. Step It Up members get weekly live training with me every single week. And did I mention that Step It Uppers get a coupon for $100 off the 40-hour training to become an LPC or LMFT supervisor in Texas? Yeah, you get that too. You're the one working your butt off, sweating through the summer, corralling kids, and facing slumps in your client load. I want to help. All summer long, I'm offering a 50% discount on the annual and monthly plan for the Step It Up membership no contracts, and if you don't like it, quit anytime you like, but you're going to love it. You are too important to lose because you pay too much for online courses, you sat through expensive, boring live trainings, and you got suckered into long-term commitments with memberships that just didn't deliver. It's time to take the next step in your counseling career, and it's super easy to do. Just go to KateWalkerTraining.com forward slash podcast. That's katewalkertraining.com forward slash podcast, but you got to act fast. This is going away as soon as the summer ends. So get the discount, get the resources and take your practice to the next level. I'll see you on the inside. So when we look at the 20 factors used, and I'm skipping around, but you can download your own used to evaluate right to control and the validity of independent contractor classifications. These are going to include the level of instruction. If the company directs when, where, and how work is done, the amount of training, requesting workers to undergo company-provided training suggests an employment relationship. Remember our two words here, there's employment and there's self-employment. If you're hiring someone for W-2, that's employment, If you're hiring an independent contractor, 1099, that's not the same as employment. I know it's like potato, potato, but try to put those differences out in your brain. Put a divider between that. Degrees of business integration. Workers whose services are integrated into business operations or significantly affect business success are likely to be considered employees, right? That's the W-2. Extent of personal services. Companies that insist on a particular person performing the work assert a degree of control that suggests an employment relationship. In contrast, independent contractors typically are free to assign work to anyone, Control of assistance. If a company hires, supervises, and pays a worker's assistance, this control indicates a possible employment relationship. Continuity of relationship. A continuous relationship between a company and a worker indicates a possible employment relationship. However, an independent contractor arrangement can involve an ongoing relationship for multiple sequential projects. Flexibility of schedule. People whose hours or days of work are dictated by a company are apt to qualify as employees. I need you here at eight. I, you can't take a lunch. I need you, you know, until five o'clock. Demands for full time work. Full time work gives a company control over most of a person's time, which supports a finding of an employment relationship. Sometimes it's that easy. Just count the number of hours they're there. Need for on site services requiring someone to work on company premises. Sequence of work. If a company requires work to be performed in a specific order or sequence, this control suggests an employment relationship. Requirements for reports. If a worker regularly must provide written or oral reports on the status of a project, this arrangement indicates a possible employment relationship. Hello, process progress notes, anyone? Hmm. Method of payment, hourly, weekly, or monthly pay schedules are characteristic of employment relationships. Payment of business or travel expenses. Independent contractors typically bear the cost of travel or business expenses, and most contractors set their fees high enough to cover those costs. Provision of tools and materials. Workers who perform most of their work using company-provided equipment, electronic health records, anyone, EHR systems, tools and materials are more likely to be considered employees. Employees. In fact, sometimes we put that out there as a perk when we're hiring 1099 folk. Well, you can use our stuff, right? Investment in facilities. Independent contractors typically invest in and maintain their own work facilities. In contrast, most employees rely on their employer to provide work facilities. Realization of profit or loss. Workers who receive predetermined earnings and have little chance to realize significant profit or loss through their work, generally our employees, work for multiple companies. People who simultaneously provide services for several unrelated companies are likely to qualify as independent contractors. Availability to public. If a worker regularly makes services available to the general public, this supports an independent contractor determination. Control over discharge. A company's unilateral right to discharge a worker suggests an employment relationship. In contrast, a company's ability to terminate independent contractor relationships generally depends on a contract. Right of termination. Most employees unilaterally can terminate their work for a company without liability. Independent contractors cannot terminate services without liability except as allowed under their contracts. So this goes on. Are independent contractors employees? I highly encourage you to download this document and I will put it in your Step It Up courses in the One Start Here. As a Step It Up member, you have a module called One Start Here. And when I add this as one of your trainings, I'll be sure to put the link to this. If you're listening to this on a podcast, I will make sure to put the link in the show notes. And if you're reading it on a blog, you're probably not listening to my voice right now, but I'll put the link in the blog as well. All right. So that has been the difference between 1099 and W-2. Not what I say, not what other people say. This is what the IRS says. We have a three overarching factor way to tell if somebody is an independent contractor material or employee W-2 material. And then we have the 20 factor test that will help me make that determination. So one of the questions is, Are there consequences for an employee or a contractor that has been misclassified? I want to get into that just a little bit. So if you can imagine, so if I'm being hired, you're either going to take taxes out for me or I'm going to owe taxes on my own. If I'm 1099 and I have been misclassified, what that means is I'm missing out on benefits. I should be Having money taken out for taxes. I should have money taken out for Medicaid. I should have money taken out for these other things, right? Also, at the end of the year, 1099s have to pay self-employment tax sometimes. I'm not a tax attorney. So really the 1099 is incurring consequences because it's kind of a sucky deal for them, right? They want to make sure they're classified right. Now, if you're an employer, and you figure out, holy moly, I have misclassified these folks, and the IRS gets wind of it, you're going to owe all of those taxes. If you hired someone in January and you just found out in October that you misclassified them from January through October, you should have been taking out all of that money. You are liable for that money. And from what I understand, and we can ask Laura Clemens this when she comes in to our Ask an Attorney this June 30th, I don't think there's like a grace period. I'm pretty sure it's just like, this is what you owe today. So as an employee, okay, anecdotally, what we hear more often is those are the folks who are calling the Texas Workforce Commission going, yeah, I think I'm being misclassified. If you're an employer and you feel like you are being told to reclassify someone and you don't feel like that is true or you feel it is unjustified, and this can also help you in addition to the 20-factor test Read through this form. It's called the SS-8. And again, this is on the IRS website. And you can read through this because what you're going to have to answer are things like describe the work done by the worker and provide the worker's job title. Explain why you believe the worker is an employee or an independent contractor. Did the worker perform services for the firm in any capacity before providing the services that are the subject of this determination request? So there are lots of questions that get into that 20-factor test. But going back to the question that I was asked, the consequences for the misclassified worker are recoupable, right? But it does kind of stink if you're misclassified. If you're misclassified as a 1099, when you should be a W-2 because you're missing out on those benefits. Hey, badasses, we can all agree that counselors want a path to a successful counseling career, but that means you have to find quality training. That's not even the real barrier. The real problem is a lot of information can be overwhelming and you, my badass, are busy. So you're probably asking yourself, how can I improve my practice while still caring for people? How do I grow my skill set, become a supervisor, without losing my work-life balance? How do I find quality training that won't cost too much time and money? Bottom line, counselors who want a successful counseling career value the goal of growing their skill set and even becoming a supervisor, but at the same time struggle with finding time to attend quality courses. Counselors can't overcome this barrier because so many times courses with tempting titles overpromise and underperform. Let me ask you something. What if there were courses that delivered exactly what they promised that didn't take a lot of time and didn't break the bank? That's exactly the kind of course we design at Kate Walker Training. I specialize in helping you grow your skill set and career with quality courses on demand. And we have so many to choose from. If you're asking yourself, where do I go if I want to sustain my practice and grow my marketing presence? Well, check out the Step It Up membership. What do you do if you're ready to pay it forward and add streams of income? Well, check out the supervisor training. See if you're eligible. If you're looking for an experience that's more hands-on, keep an eye out for open enrollment for Badass Basics and our exclusive mastermind groups. I'm Dr. Kate Walker. Thank you so much for listening to Texas counselors creating badass businesses. Thank you to Ridgely Walker for her lovely voiceovers at our introduction. And do me a favor, when you get a second, please like, share, and subscribe, and write us a review. That's really how we get picked up by other RSS feeds, and we get this information out to the mental health badasses who need it. Thanks again, and keep saving the world with excellent therapy.